<laughs> I don't know, there's something about that one announcement. If you're a lady and you want to worship Jesus. <laughs> Someone's like, <laughs> just got me there. Good morning. All right, we're going to open up in prayer. Father, we just come before you this morning and uh, we just need you. As we just continue to pray and seek you to say, have your way. Father, I just pray for your word now to come and challenge us and bring us into that place that we all know we need to go, that next step, that next phase, to turn into that next chapter because you are before us and drawing us in. And that, Father, through this, we keep our eyes on you. We know the realness of who you are and the realness of your love for us. So I just pray a spiritual opening of ears and eyes and a softening of hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, I kind of said this was a tough message as we prayed this morning. And I usually pray from the, speak from the place that God is dealing with my life and the things that he's uh, been doing. And so I was raised to be a self-aholic. I was told I could be anything I wanted to be. Live to fulfill my dreams, believe in me. Find a woman that would make me happy. Get some kids to bring more joy into my life. These are the things that I was raised on. It was when I met Jesus and became a Christian, I realized how drunk on self I was. My parents had did a good job. Now I understand what Jesus means with this statement, you need to be born again, transform. Because the old guy's in a death process to learn how it's not all about me. Now, to be encouraging as people, we walk in the Christian world, to be encouraging people tell us, well, God's got a plan for you. God's got a purpose for you. You just wait. He's got a purpose and a plan. So now, as I begin to make a change and I don't know what that plan is, I get disappointed and start feeling like I have no purpose because I got no plan. And so again, you know, we're journeying to find these things. So now I would like to encourage anyone with a young child in their life that's close to you that you care about. Did you bring that child up? If you're bringing kids up to know God, then you have to put the time in and the prayer times in to ask God, who is this child to you? Who is this kid to you or these children to you? So that as I raise this child and as I bring this child up, I bring them up in according to what I feel God is saying, the gifts and the things that he's placed in this kid, that I'm praying alongside of that. That I'm not going to raise this child to be a selfaholic. I want to raise this child already to be looking at Christ and to know that I know how Christ is looking at this child and that I'll nourish it in that way. So that as he gets older, he or she, that then they don't become a selfaholic. That the Christian life becomes easy for them 
because they've been nurtured in that way. They've been prayed over in the way that God is going to be in their life, that God has given you a voice of prayer for that child and how to do that. Because Jesus teaches me now to love my wife like he loves the church, to give myself to her, not my children for my joy, but to nurture them in the joy of the Lord. I guess I'm learning, not I that lives, but Jesus that lives in me. And those are the scriptural statements that we face as Christians. And that's what comes and reveals the self-acholicness that is in our lives. It's those things that when we are doing that, that it's Christ that lives and not I that lives. That preaches well and quotes very poetically, but the living it out part, when the rubber hit the road and Jesus trying to do something that I'm trying to go this way, that's when the conflict starts and the realness of my Christianity. Because here's where the gap becomes, that I now journey into all things vanity. Because as I grew up as a self-aholic, and I'm going that away. See, when I'm not brought up or raised into the calling, I go into all things vanity, looking for the meaning of life, especially my life. And when disappointment comes, as Satan will send it my way, I begin to think it's me. I don't realize it's because of me, meaning the disappointment Satan is sending my way is because I am loved and gifted by God at birth. And he, Satan, is out to stop me. So without connection to God, I know no truth. But as I go through these scriptures, now I hope to show you this. Satan is located in the lower story. He has fallen and he wants to keep me down to where he has fallen. When I look up to the upper story, I am not to believe that that is for me. When all the time it is, it was, that's why scripture tells us that through Christ, God is reconciling us to himself. It's the journey of all these things that when you're drunk on self and we've been raised that way and we go into these things, that then we go and then we start going into those things that are filled with vanity. And I'm going to read you some things here because now as um, it's said in scriptures, you know, as Paul said, you know, I live my life and then I'm trying to figure this out. Christ wants to live in me and through me and okay, well, I'm a selfaholic and now I got to be in recovery. So I got to work and grow with God that I'm, it's not about me and I do these things. And so all of this stuff is happening and there's an upper story and there's a lower story and I'm really living in the lower story. And that's me, my life and, and the things that are going around there in my lower story. And I'm, and I'm pulling Jesus into the lower story more than looking up at the upper story. But so in the midst of all of that, the things that I'm doing is, is I'm trying to find my way as we, we go and we try to find our way in these things. You know, it says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. 
All things are lawful for me, but I will not be a master of anything. That's 1 Corinthians 6. He's saying here that all things are lawful. I have a freedom in things, long as nothing masters me. So then I see that, and then it's like, okay, well, you know, I can do this, I can do that. And, and in this scripture, what Paul is talking about here, he was talking to the Corinthians at this time because there was confusion when the Corinthians were living amongst the, the other people, the lost and all of that, other people in Corinthians who were not Christians. And there was temples and there was food being given to idols and all of this stuff, just kind of basically how we live today where... You know, we have that outer culture and we have the Christian world and the things that we do. And so, you know, like I said, here where they were going and it was all about the meat that they could eat and the different things and going into the temples. And uh, as we learned in class Thursday night it, and back in those days in the temples, there was either. Uh, well, I don't know. All of a sudden, I won't say that part. Greg said, don't hold back. But then I was going to say something. Then I don't know. Kids are in here. So, but anyway, <laughs> there, there's virgins and other women in the temple. Always. There was only two women that was in there. There was never wives found in the, in the temple. So with that, people thought then that they could go into the temple. And, and, and a part of this was, and it says in 15, it says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I take away the members of Christ to make them members of, is that in scripture there? All right. Y'all see that word. Uh, um, so that, because people back then were feeling like, well, there was a difference between my body and my spirit. So I could go in there and be with the temple women and that didn't have nothing to do with it. And Paul's kind of letting them know, no, you, you can't separate the two in that. But yet there still is a freedom that we have. First Corinthians 10, it says the same, it's kind of saying the same thing here. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own good, but that for his neighbor. This is where the freedom was coming in the fact, like for us, where it's like all things are lawful, but they don't edify. So it's saying I have a freedom in doing things. You know, um, if person, if I or a person like, hey, I'm going to have a burger and a beer, you know? Yeah, and a beer. Okay, long as I'm not an alcoholic. But I have that freedom. I have a freedom to do things as long as nothing masters me. So now I live with that freedom, and so then my Christian life becomes to find out all my free spots. That I can do here where I'm not sinning, but I'm free to be free here so I can do this. But again, like I said, realizing the fact that it doesn't edify. Now, edify uh, has been a Latin root. The Latin noun, adis, meaning house or temple, is the root of efficare, a verb meaning to erect a house. Generations of speakers built on that meaning. And by the Latin, the late Latin period, the verb has gained the figurative sense to instruct or improve spiritually. The word eventually passed through uh, Anglo-French before mental English speakers adopted it as edify, 
during the 14th century, two of its early meanings, to build and to establish, are now considered archaic. The only current sense of edify, essentially the same as the figurative meaning, is Latin, to instruct or improve in a moral and religious knowledge. That's edify. It's the things that, to edify. So now the things that I deal with, I have to question myself in those readings. Does this edify me? Does this build me up and help me in my spiritual deal? So we don't want to get too lost in our freedom because, again, like I said, it does not edify for me to do these things. But yet on that journey, still keeping in mind that now as I'm relieving myself of being a selfaholic and I'm in recovery, and if I'm in that journey too at times, I'm trying to find these things out. Again, like I say, the meaning of life. If I don't have God, if a person doesn't know God and they don't have God, well, they're a selfaholic. It's about them. And then so now I'm into these things, the freedoms of what I have. And then the vanity, Ecclesiastes 1, the fertility of all envy, the word of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanity, says the preacher, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. In the NIV, Ecclesiastes 1 says, Um, Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. So I'm free in one aspect to do things. I have this freedom, but yet nothing master me. And then I read in Ecclesiastes where he says it's all vanity. It's meaningless. This here is it's just meaningless. That Solomon did, he, he, he did, deprived himself of, of nothing. Wisdom is meaningless. 12. Verse 12 here. I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. You see, I I put that part in red because as he said that what a heavy burden God has laid on mankind in trying to figure all this out in trying to unwrap all of this to not be the selfaholic, but then in my freedom, but then you tell me all things is vanity and then the things that I do and I explore it, then it's like, what have I been chasing after all this stuff, all these things, putting it together. 14, I have seen all things that are done under the sun. And all of them are meaningless, chasing after the wind. Again, the whole purpose of everything. I mean, when we look at life, when we look at the things that are there, all things under the sun, I mean, I guess we got the smartphone and the tablets. You know, those are the biggest things that are happening right now in those areas of life. There's a new commercial out, I don't know if you've seen it, where... The little kid is just playing and doing all this stuff, and they're on this thing, and she's out in the backyard. The lady comes out, and she goes, oh, what are you doing on your computer? And the little kid looks at her and goes, what's a computer? Because she's working on a tablet. And I see that commercial, and, and right now, I see now where in society, we're shifting. We're going to be shifting away from the computer. It's the smartphone, and it's the tablet. Pretty soon, there will be no more computers. It's the laptop. 
It will no longer be the phrase computer because we have to go to the new next thing. We always have to keep reinventing. We take the same old thing as he's saying, and we change the name on it so that we got something new and we're reinventing. That's what we do. It's just do it in that way. And so that's all that is happening. In 16, I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also madness and folly. But I learned that this too is chasing after the wind. He's saying that he's going after so much wisdom, that he's going after all these things, and that he's trying to find the stuff. He's doing all this. But yet, wisdom. Scripture says the foolishness of man and the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. Again, raising the kid to understand revelation from God. That when God gives us revelation, when God opens our eyes, when God gives us understanding of who we are and who we are in the world, that's what we're looking for. That's the stuff we're going after. Sure, it's good to study scripture and know theology. I love it. I enjoy it, the Thursday night class. But more than that, I want the revelational knowledge of God that helps me to see and to understand things, to see more than what I'm looking at, to hear more than what's being said to me. I want God to reveal that and open that up for my life, that then I can be working with God in those things. As well as he says, you know, to learning and wisdom. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. I can't tell you that phrase there. That phrase is so true. It's been said so many times. With truth comes such great sorrow. There's a lot of times people, you know, it'd be said, do you really want to know the truth? Do you really want to know the truth? Can you handle the truth? Can you handle the truth? And there's just sometimes in situations you may have had one that, you know what? I don't want to know the truth. And do you know, as a society, as a whole society, there's so many truths out there, we don't want to know. I couldn't live with it. I don't want to know that my bunch of bananas that are on sale, pay about a dollar for all these bananas, I don't want to know the truth of the one-legged little boy who climbed up the tree to go pick these things for 15 cents to feed his family. That messes with the taste of my bananas. You see? And that's what I'm saying. There's certain truths as we live in America, we just don't want to know. So as we try to educate ourselves and make ourselves smarter that we have wisdom, God is saying, that's fine, but you avoid truth. And God is saying, I'm trying to bring you to truth. See, long as we do this with wisdom and all this stuff, then we create the next new thing. And that keeps us feeling like, hey, life is happening. I've come to the conclusion that we just make things hard because otherwise we find out how boring life really is. And it keeps us from understanding, you know, like now, Everybody's talking about the new technology, the smartphones, and 
you know, with our smartphones, and mine's smarter than me. Um, I had a flip phone, and uh, I tell you, life was good then. It was really good, you know. I flipped open, I pressed the button, and I was talking. You know, oh, well, I would do that, and then people would text me, don't call, text me, because nobody wants to hear my voice now, obviously. (laughs) Nobody wants to talk, you know. It's like, dude, you know. And now with my smartphone, I got to tap, got to swipe, stroll down, pull over, hit that app, do that, scroll, oh, there they are, and then this. Hello. I'm tired. You know? And then if I miss one, now I got to go back to the home thing to start all back over again. It's not fun. You know? The only thing I like about my smartphone when I decided to get one was the GPS unit, and I can talk and text. You know? In between driving, I can, I can say what I need to say and keep my eyes on the road. You know, people that send me texts that, and I got to give them a paragraph back. I tell my family and friends, do not do that. No, I'm not going to send you a paragraph back on a response. And then sometime I take so long, then they send me another text, are you still there? (laughs) Well, now you just messed up the one text that I was going to send you. Now I got to figure out how to get this one out the way to get back to where I was. You know? So, that's what I'm saying. All of this new technology and all of this new wisdom stuff, you know, is it really? It's one time, you know, you know the, the Razor phone, the, the really slick little Razor back in the day, and that phone was really cool. It didn't drop calls. It would look all uh, secret agent in it and everything, you know, and I just loved it. And loved that phone. And then they started coming in with the, I think that's when the berries, the blueberries, the little office phone with the work. Yeah, Blackberry, thank you. When they were coming in and they came in and started wiping out those phones. And again, you know, it's one of those things. So they start training it and then the phone company start telling people like me, you got to get with the times or your phone will just not, you know, because then we went from, dig- went from analog to digital. So now you got to get into the digital world. But I don't want to go in the digital world. Well, it won't be long. You will, brother. And, uh, and again, they changed it up. And I asked the girl, I'm like, well, why are you guys getting rid of this phone? And she says, I don't know. She says, it's a really nice phone. She says, one of our best ones. It doesn't drop the call or nothing. She says, it's a really good phone. And they just got rid of it. Because again... We have to keep reinventing another thing. We have to keep reinventing this new thing in all of this. As Solomon is saying, there's nothing new under the sun. Men just keep trying to do things that we can feel like we're living life and that the world is this and all of that. And again, all these things, the tablet, the smartphone and all of this, that's in the lower story. I'm going to get to a point here about the upper story and the lower story, but right now, a lot of what I'm speaking about is the lower story, and that's where we are in that. But again, like I said, this thing with wisdom and truth, for with wisdom comes such great sorrow, or with truth comes such great sorrow to really, really know something. And again, but that's what we need to embrace, God's truth, to be truthful with God, and about who we are and the places where we're at. 
Chapter 2, verse 10, all that my eyes have desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasures, for my heart was pleased because of my labor, and this was my renewed for all my labor. Thus I considered all my activities which my hand had done, and the labor which I exerted. And behold, all vanity, striving after wind, there was no profit under the sun. Philippians 3, and beginning in verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. So again, in Corinthians, Paul tells me there is freedom, but it does not edify. Ecclesiastes says it's all vanity. Whatever you're doing, it's vanity. This, it gains nothing. Then I read here in Philippians, and Paul says, all things that I have done, that I've obtained, that I've gained, that I've gotten, I've counted but rubbish. I count it but rubbish. For the sake of Christ. So as I'm exploring and I'm going and I'm like, well, then what is there? What is it? What is this about? What? Then God, where am I? Where am I in all of this? What is all of this? As we all ask that question plenty of times to ask God and to figure out life, then what is there this about? Mark 10 17, and as he was setting out on a journey, here's the rich young ruler, is he. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things for my youth up. Looking at him, Jesus felt, looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, One thing you lack, go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have a treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But these words, he was saddened. And he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. One thing in here, we have those people who say, I'm none of these things, people who are not saved. They say that they are none of these things. I'm not a murderer. I'm not this. I'm a good person. Heck, I do more for other people than I do for myself. If God don't like me, he's got to love me. Because it's not just doing good things, you see? And here when Jesus talks to, the, uh, talks to him, he's speaking to this guy. And what he asked Jesus was, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What Jesus didn't say to him was repent, confess your sins, and follow me. He, he didn't say that to him. Because that's what it is. 
is to repent and know Jesus as Lord and Savior, to be saved and inherit eternal life. Jesus tells him first the commandments, keep the commandments. Oh, I do that. I've done those things, teacher. I, I do that. Then Jesus says, okay, well, now go sell all your things. Go get rid of all your stuff. And all of a sudden, the rich young ruler, his selfaholicness got in the way. He's a selfaholic, you see, because Jesus spoke to him, and he says, no, can't do that. Can't do that. And he walked away. The problem for these people is that there is no upper story for Jesus. Of Jesus is just the Lord's story of who they are as a good person. You see, the deal is with the rich young ruler that when Jesus told him that to go sell it, and he says no, because Jesus went right to what was blocking him. That's why Jesus didn't say, "Come follow me, come and do this," you know, repent of your sins and follow me. He went right to where he knew the problem was. You see, that's what Jesus does with us. When we come to him and say, Jesus, hey, how about this, Lord? I want to follow you, Lord. I want to do this, Lord. And then it's like, okay. And Jesus will speak something to us. And then we get like the rich young ruler. Well, how about if I sell half of it, Lord, and just keep a little bit for myself? You know, just a little something, a little security over here. You know, I don't want to sell it all, dude. You don't mean all of it. You know, it's just like I say, you know, when we sing our songs, uh, God, come take all of me. Really? All of me? Really? Do I mean that? My selfaholicness says, no, I don't mean that. Just like the rich young ruler when he said that uh, he couldn't do that. Just as the rich young ruler wanting the rewards of the upper story because of the limited work he has done in the Lord's story. And so that's where we go to in a lot of times. You see, the Lord's story is us. The lives we live, the things we're doing in our day-to-day, all of these different things, that's our Lord's story. We're not doing the story here anymore. We were doing the story, and it was really nice. We had the series going. And one of the things that I got out of that year of doing the story was that throughout those stories, there was always a lower story, and then there was an upper story. And Jesus is always found in the upper story as we live in the lower story. And a lot of what we do in our lives is that we try to bring Jesus down into the lower story. So whatever I got going on, things that are happening, this and this, come on, Lord, come on, help me in this, Lord, help me, because I'm in my lower story, and I'm bringing him down here. And Jesus never leaves the upper story, and he constantly tries to get us to look to the upper story, where he is, and the things that he's doing. In Luke 12, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive, And he began reasoning with himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, 
And there I will store all my gain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But, 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 God said, ain't that something when you're going along, then God speaks. God said to him, you fool, this very night, your soul is required of you. And now, who will own what you have prepared? So is this man who stored up the treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Again, God spoke into what this man was building. I'm free, but it doesn't edify. I can go out there and do all these different things, and soon I find out it's all vanity. When I have achieved a lot of stuff in my lowest story, I need to count it as loss for the sake of Christ. And if I do build it all up and I get something good and then I build bigger barns, then it's like God speaks. Either says your soul's required of you or go sell all that you own. Give it away. Oh my, what am I to do here? What am I doing here? What's going on? You ask? Well, I say this, it's about the upper story. That's what it's about. Now, the upper story. The moral to the story is, we should be in a place that as long as I have Jesus in the kingdom of heaven as my upper story, I can have things or not have things. As we all say at times, it's just stuff. It's the lower story of our lives. He, Jesus, is in the upper story. During the, during the hard times and the medical situations, that have us looking at life and death, it is the upper story. You see? So as I'm going through life, all of this is vanity. All these things are there. But the thing that I got to have and what I got to start looking at is the upper story. That's what I got to do. So I'm not into the vanity. I'm not, I count it all lost because now I got to readjust my eyes. That's what I got to do. You see, I got to start looking to the upper story. Because I'm lost down here in the lower story, and I keep trying to pull God down into it. But the upper story is where it is. And that's when now all that I have and the things that I got fit into place. Because all of it is for the upper story. Well, what's the upper story? When I'm looking at the upper story, it's like this. You know what? The upper story is this. When I go to class... If I'm in, you know, you're going to class, you got a, you got a real big test, a hard test ahead of you. Well, I don't pray, uh, God, uh, would you help me with this test? Uh, I really want to pass. No, that's the lower story. I'm going to class and I want to pray the upper story. God, I'm going to class today. Any divine appointment you have for me here in class, any other person there that you uh, want to touch through me, do that. Use me, Lord, in that way. And then I go to my lower story, and I'm having a test, and if you can help me with that test, Lord, that would be great. Jesus' name, amen. You see, that's what I'm saying. I got to learn how to pray in to the upper story of Jesus Christ and make my story, the lower story, second. But we keep living out of the lower story, trying to pull Jesus into the lower story. 
And he keeps saying, put your minds on the upper story. When I lose my job, the same thing. I lose my job. Oh, I'm frantic. Oh, I'm frantic. Oh, what am I going to do? I got to pay my bills. I'm in the lower story. I'm in the lower story. I'm looking at my bills. I'm looking at all this stuff. I'm in the lower story. God, this job has left. You've taken me from this place. I pray for the next place you're going to put me, that you put me by someone who could use the gifts that you've put in me. God, I pray that the next place of employment that you give me, it is for the purpose of the upper story. It is for the purpose of the kingdom of God that you live in me, in Jesus' name. And thank you, Lord. Thank you. You see, because I got to pray the upper story. I've got to start living in the upper story that then all of this stuff will start to make sense. Then I can find my meaning. Then I know how to overlook the things of society that just doesn't make any sense. That's where I go. It's to that upper story. You see, when I'm living my life and I'm doing the things that I do, it's the upper story. I have a video I want to show you, Evander Holyfield. And I just feel like this is just where he's living in the upper story. When he's getting interviewed, on the, on the YouTube, they call this the worst video, they call this the worst interview ever. That's what this is registered as. And why is it called the worst interview? Because he's giving glory in the upper story. Show that. surprises in boxing I ever had. Well, you know, I, I give glory to God, and well, for everybody to know that, you can't choose against God. You can choose against me anytime, but when God involved, Jesus is alive, and, and he the credit for it, and I, and I thank God. And why, I, why did you guarantee it with such assurance? Well, because, you know, when you, when anytime somebody put God up there, my, my God's the only true God, and, and anything must bow to God. Well, I, you know, apart from that, apart from religion, because God is here, I hope for all of us. I hope it's, it's just God. Let's get off that. Let's get on the boxing. How did you fight such a brilliant fight? You know, I, you know, I'm led by the Spirit of God. And like I told everybody, whatever the Spirit leads me to do, that's what I would do. And it wasn't nothing that so much that I did. And everybody knew that I would wash up. But with God, I'm not washed up. Did you see, did you see him getting tired? Did you think you could take him on at the end? It went, it went, about, it went about tired. It was about what the Lord wanted me to do. And, and each and every round, I went and I did not fought competitive each round. I wasn't giving up anything. I went to the went to the point to take one round at a time. And, and you know, I realized how competitive he was. And he caught me with good shots. But yeah, I thank God for you, allowing me a Let job. me ask you something. There was so much. Will you, will you show the next one, please? I think I gave you another one. Super Bowl. How's that make you feel? <laughs> you know, I just, you know, everybody's going to be tired of hearing this, but I never get tired of saying it. There's one reason that I'm standing up on this stage today. That's because of my Lord up above. I got to say thanks to Jesus. You knew I was going to do it, but I got to do it. And secondly, I just say thanks to all of you guys. When nobody else believed in us, when nobody else believed in me, you guys did, 
see, these were men who understood their upper story and how to celebrate in their upper story. And just like that announcer, when he says, oh, okay, enough of that religious stuff, you know, <laughs> come back down to the lower story. You see, the stuff that's about us, the stuff that where you did something, the stuff that where you achieved this, tell me how you did these things. That's what he wanted to hear. That's what the world draws out of us. That's when I say, when we're raising our children, how are we raising our children? To be selfaholics. But you see what he came back and said? What Jesus did. How Jesus stood by me. How I kept my eyes on the upper story. And that's how I achieve. That's how I made it through. And just like Kurt said in the last one, I know you get tired of hearing it. I know you don't want to hear it. But I got to tell you. You see, it's a got to. Not a have to, it's a got to. Because if I'm walking in the upper story, I got to mention Jesus because he's in the upper story. You see? If my family get tired of Jesus, I'm sorry, but I'm walking in the upper story. And that's just where it's at. And you're going to hear Jesus. And I'm going to live there. So when everything comes to me, when something comes and it tries to bring me down, I got to keep my mind on the upper story. You see, I got to keep my mind in the upper story. I can't let my bills take me down to the lower story. That's why when I get my bills, you know, we pray here sometime, and I grew up in the Baptist church. Oh, my. And uh, the thing of it is, is I give thanks for the light bill. I give thanks for the refrigerator, the food in the refrigerator. It is an honor and a privilege God has blessed us that when you have a craving for a particular burger, steak, or whatever it is, lasagna, whatever your thing may be, that you can go fulfill that craving. Do you know what an honor that is? When even here in America, there's kids, people who can't eat. There's other countries, you know, like mama used to say, don't, don't spill that or eat, eat that food. There's people starving in Africa. That's because it's true. Don't come to a place that we get so careless because we can eat that we just take it for granted. Glory to God that this meal set before me. Thank you, Father. This plate, paying these bills, this is all a part of his upper story for me. But I will not focus on it as my story. Okay? Because I need to be like what he says when God comes and he speaks and he says, saw all you got. I'm going to shake. I'm going to tremble because fear trying to hit me. But I got to get rid of it because I have to keep my mind on the upper story. And focusing on the upper story at times, you will shake, you will tremble, doubt's going to rush in, the enemy's going to attack you, but I tell you now, keep your mind on the upper story because Jesus is in it. Amen? Conduct of spirit, feel life. Honorable, material, fidelity, serve the Lord with all your might. A spirit-filled life. It's okay to honor. It's honoring our material things. 
for what God has blessed us and giving thanks for. Thankful for the warmthness of the bed that we have. I remember one winter night, I, I don't know, I went outside to go do something. You know how you might think you're going to run outside and go lock the door or do something real, you know, put the clothes on. I ran out there, and boy, I went out and did what I, and I came running back in, and I shut the door, and the heat hit me. I was like, whoo! And I tell you, I had a thought that went through me, and I was like, homeless? Oh, my God, homeless? Homeless heck. That ain't what I said, but homeless. It was like, I can't deal with homelessness. If, if it's this cold, this kind of cold you're facing. And so I was thankful then of the heat that I have that God is providing for me, that not I, but God provides, that all of my stuff, it's from the, lo- the upper story. And when I receive it from that, then that starts to block out my lower story, because then I know. Ecclesiastic 2, it says, there is nothing better for a man than to eat and drink and to tell himself that his labor is good. This is also I have seen that it is from the hands of God. For who can eat and who can have enjoyment without him? For to a person who is good and in his sight, he has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. You see, he's saying in Ecclesiastes, it makes sense when I put Jesus in it. When I look to the upper story, it all makes sense to me now. It's okay to have these things because I honor them in the right way. It's okay to enjoy these things because I honor them as God would have me to do that and to live that. And something I had, it said endeavor, and one of the things I looked up, and it says, seek to please God in all you do. Find enjoyment in your work and your daily life. Again, as I look to the upper story, it'll change my vision of the lower story. It changes my vision because now all of a sudden I'm not caught up in paying the bills and these things and that. I'm really trying to focus from the upper story my purpose and the plan of God through my life because this is where it's found. The purpose and the plan of God that he has for your life is coming, is when you look to the upper story and then it'll be played out in the lower story. That's it. You know, because I hear so much about people saying a lot of times about that purpose and plan. God's got a purpose and plan. I was talking with a friend one day here uh, on a Sunday and Christian lady, very dear Christian woman, and she just says, she says, well, I'm still trying to figure out God's purpose, you know, his purpose for me, his plan and purpose. And it just was like, I know how much she loves Jesus and how much she's been a Christian. So I was like, really? And she's like, yeah. So I, was, like, she so I says, well, okay, well, what would, uh, what plans would you, purpose or plan would you like for God to have? Or do you have any purpose? Oh, yes. I got some purpose and plans that I would have. You see, we got our purpose and plans that we got that we would like God to have for us. You see, but again, those purposes and plans we're thinking of, they fulfill the lower story. Because in some way, the reason why I have this purpose and plan in the lower story is to bring God along as though I'm doing it for God, but then it's for me, really. You see, 
but it's a total surrender to God in the upper story that whatever purpose and plan he brings out of me, it comes through in that way. That could just be a smile to someone. That could just be saying hi to someone. That could be just praying for someone. Whatever it is that God is trying to do in someone's life, that's what I'm trying to do. You see, the thing that we have to be really worried of as Christians and, and, and watchful of, like I said, all this new technology, all of this new stuff society's bringing in, and as Christians, we've got to keep a watch of the line that tries to draw us over, like the announcer who says, yeah, enough of that, but now this. Because, you see, in the upper story, it's not about me. It's about others. And that's what God is all about, others, and doing stuff for others and working with others. But you see, in the lower story of life right now, technology is taking us away from that. It's taking us away from the connection to one another. Like I say now, people prefer to text you than to hear your voice. You know, don't call me, text me. You know? And I remember one time, it was like, well, I was asking my sister, and I'm like, well, why do you think people just text so much and nobody want to talk? Because you can end that anytime. You can just end that. If you don't want to respond back, you don't, and then just go on about your day. It's kind of rude to just, you don't want to hear what somebody's saying, then just hang up on them. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you can't, you just can't hang up on them like that, you know, but texting, I can just go on my way. You don't know, you know, and I hit you back later. But again, what we've got to be careful about is that we do want to hear the human voice because we want to share the human voice because in the human voice is where Jesus is. Jesus is in the human voice, caring comes from the human voice. Connection is in the human voice. You know, it's there. Those things that we can't let society move us away from. Saying hello is in the human voice. I preached once uh, while, way while back about head up, eyes forward, to say hello to people. And I still find that amazing in Madison, that to say hello to people. I was saying how, you know, you can be standing there, and even out here in front of this church, I was standing one day, and these people were walking by with their dogs, and they're, they're walking their dogs, and the dogs couldn't get enough of looking at me. They're just trying to figure me out. And I'm walking at the people, and they just walk by like they don't know I'm there. I'm like, geez, Lee, you should be looking at what your dog's looking at at least. Turn your head, you know? And, you know? But again, that's the society we live in. And then we wonder how people can shoot up places. How can this happen? Oh, he was crazy. No. When he's sick in the head and when he is in the lower story and he's going through everything of the lower story, the vanity, the nothing means nothing. I don't mean nothing. I can't find my purpose and my plan and this and that and all of these things are going wrong. And in the lower story, I can't find the voice of Jesus because the people who have it are in it and they're quiet. And so now I can't bear it. So I snap. 
And what does it matter? Because people aren't smiling, so I don't see people as people. I don't see the lives that we all of a sudden see when it's on the news that this person has been killed and this. All of a sudden, we see the lives. We see the families affected. We see the meaning, and and somehow we think of ourselves. But this person who did the shooting, it was just to be recognized. It was somebody see me. Somebody see me. It's what they're screaming. I'm not justifying it. Don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is the human connection needs to be there. It has to be there for one another. And as long as we keep our eyes on the upper story, it will always be there. Like the song we sang this morning, love has a name. Hope has a name. Victory has a name, and it's Jesus. And it's Jesus. And that's what people need to be knowing, is where those things at. Would you rise, please? Would the worship team come up? We're not going to have prayer teams down here. We're just going to, the worship team's going to play, pray or play. And I'm going to ask that you just, you know, if you felt this message, if anything, with God, there's a place you know God's speaking to you that you keep focusing on the Lord's story. Um, I'm just going to say, spend a moment to work it out with God about getting to the upper story, that place of the upper story. If there's a place in your heart right now where, you know, I'm in the Lord's story and there's no Jesus in my Lord's story. I don't know Christ. I would love to pray for you for that, that you could come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior and invite him into your Lord story, that he can take you to your upper story. It's time now, today, to change from that Lord's story with no Jesus And to come into that upper story where Jesus awaits you, where Jesus is there and he's speaking to you, he's calling you, and you know it. And you've done these things and you find out that it's vanity. You find out that I'm free, but it doesn't edify. You've ran the gamut, drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever it was, all in the lower story to find out that without Jesus, it just doesn't make sense. I can't seem to put it together. I would love to pray with you to help you find that. And like I said, for the rest of us, we'll just pray. We'll work this out with God. I'm going to pray and then end it. And you are free to go after I end up praying. And if you want to stay and work it out, do that. So, Father, we come before you now. Even as I am working this out, even as I have spoken this message because this is the journey that I am in to learn these things. I thank you, Father, and I pray that your word goes forward. Confirmation will come to those who have heard this word. If not now, things have been confirmed for them. Father, this is a message, as you said to the young rich ruler, sell all. Father, some of us, it's not about what we have to sell. It's just things we need to change things we need to give over to you and each person know what that is in their life 
Father, maybe it's for some, it's the, the another level on the mountain that you're calling us to. That we know that it's time to make a step to the next level. But we've become comfortable on this level, Father. In this one level, I've begun to find out the freedoms that I have. And so they don't edify, but at least I'm on that level of God's mountain. But you're saying, no, the next level. Come up. Keep coming up. Keep coming up to the upper story so that we then can speak to those in the lower story. Father, I pray this for your people. I release this in the name of Jesus. The kingdom of God, the upper story, flow over us, in us, and through us right now, Father. Flow through us, flow over us, wash over us, Father. Bless us, help us in our unbelief. Father, we come and we surrender to you right now as we may shake and we may tremble because to let something go, we, 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 we feel like there's, we're going to lose the security. Bring us to that place that you are that security, that we open our hands and release all things so that you may fill them, that you would grab hold to our hands as we empty stuff, then we can feel you grab a hold to our hands right now to touch our hearts, Father, to bless us in the right way. We just thank you for this, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and say glory and honor be. Amen.